Hi, you're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at koldodi.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. Ken had just asked me to share whatever I wanted to. And let me tell you where, where I'm going on that. Uh, I was asked to share, I don't know, a month or so ago in some kind of situation, and, and I thought, and, and the thing that came to me, there, and, and this is for all of us, there's always more. You don't have enough. You don't have enough of his spirit. I don't have enough of his spirit. Yes, I'm 92 years old, but one of the reasons why I'm still active is because I know there's more. And, uh, and, and one of the passages that says that to me, of course, is the latter part of Ephesians 3, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the community of believers and in Messiah Yeshua. I, I, I challenge you, I challenge all of us, come on, let's use our godly imagination. Yeah, when, when we were praying this way, I'm imagining that that synagogue over there one day is going to be believing synagogue and the conservative one right down the street and, the, and, the, and the, the reform and the temple out there. Why? Because my book says that all Israel will be saved. Come on, let's use our godly imagination. And, and then the other one is, uh, is 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Our God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, Having all that you need, you may abound in every good work. And so I live with, and I'm challenging myself even as I say this, but in a sense, I live with godly imagination because I've read the book. And, and for example, one of the passages, and this is nothing new to any of you that know me, I mean, one of the passages that just stirs me deeply still is, 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 is Ecclesiastes 36. Because in the front part of it, God says, I didn't bring you, I'm not bringing you back to the land because you got good. Well, that's pretty obvious. They didn't get good yet. But he said, when I bring you back to the land, I'm going to take out of your heart of stone, put in your heart of flesh, and I'm going to put my spirit in you, and I'm going to move you to do my will. So that's what God promised. Now in Ezekiel, no, no, in Isaiah 62, verses 6 and 7, God says, you who call upon the Lord, give yourselves no rest. He's talking to you. You who call upon the Lord, give yourselves no rest. And give him no rest. Until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it the praise of the earth. Yeah. I want to challenge you. Come on. Don't get into normality. Don't get into sameness. There's a whole world out there that's going to be conquered. The Jewish people are going to come to faith. He is... And, and he wants us to remind him. 
I love that story of the unjust judge and the widow who was always pestering the judge. And God is basically saying he wants us to keep pestering him. He wants us to keep bothering him until he fulfills these promises. And so I, I was in Israel for about five weeks because I was in Egypt, Jordan, and Israel. Because we're, we're living in the two ends of that highway. I didn't even see that highway till no matter how many times I'd read Isaiah 19, in the latter part of the, of the chapter, and how many times I'd read it and didn't, it didn't click. But it's beginning to click with a lot of us now. So we're, we're visiting believers in Egypt who love Israel, in, in Assyria, northern Iraq, and Kurdistan and so forth that love Israel because they're believers. And we know that one day all those countries are going to be a blessing in the whole world. And you know what? It's not far behind. The greatest revival in history is ahead of us. You know why I know that? Because God said, Jesus said that righteousness is ripening until the harvest. If righteousness is ripening, that means if we're the end generation somewhere along in there, we are, then we're going to become the most godly, righteous, miracle-working, powerful, pure-hearted, believing that believers that have ever been in the face of the earth. So let's kick into our godly imagination and go for it to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, in Yeshua's name, amen. Let's look at John 21. I want to look at the recalling of Peter. Recalled, reset, restart. Recalled, reset, restart. All right? And it says in John, and now well, after these things, verse 1, it says, Yeshua revealed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberia. Father, we pray you open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word in this time we have. This remaining time we have this morning. Open our eyes. We pray. Open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your scriptures. B'Shem Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Amen. So this could have been around the time period when this happened, what we're reading right now in this chapter. Could have been around the time period. This encounter of Yeshua and Peter with Peter and the disciples at the Sea of Galilee, or Yam Kinneret, Yam, the Sea of Galilee, or the Hagalil, Hagalil, the place where, you know, anyone that's been to Israel, you know, and you've done some touring or gone, you know, heard these amazing guides, you know, that 90% of Yeshua's ministry, his time in ministry was spent around that period, that area. But this was where, it is, I believe, about 60 miles or kilometers from Jerusalem. So it would have taken two or three days for him to get up there from Jerusalem, a walk, uh, traveling after all this time. But this is the third time he'd, re he'd revealed himself to the disciples, the Talmudim, after he was raised from the dead, according to third time, John 21, 14, during the 40 days of his showing himself to be alive after his suffering through many convincing proofs, says Acts 1.3. Luke says it in Acts 1, verse 3. Again, showing himself a lot to be alive after suffering through many convincing proofs. So for 40-day period, Acts 1.3. So this is post-Pesach, after Passover. This is pre-Shavuot, before the holiday of 
the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost or Shavuot, and its pre-ascension of Yeshua, which I'm going to speak upon not today but next week. I'll speak about why the ascension of Yeshua is so essential, why it's so important. So here is what this could have happened about this time in that calendar, so to speak, and he's revealing himself this third time, and let's look at it. He says, he's at the sea, which is really a lake, as you know. And verse 3, Simon Peter says to them, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. All right? And what do they say? We're going with you, too. We're going with you, too. You know, some people say, I'm a leader. Well, if you're a leader, there's got to be people following you. If no one's following you, you're not leading. But you can lead people the right way or you can lead them the wrong way. (laughs) All right? And this is the wrong way in this case. This was not the right direction. Um, He is going back to the safety, really, of what's his comfort zone, of his old profession, it seems. You know, three years ago, this is when, where he was when Yeshua called him fishing. And perhaps he's bored, I think. You know, it's probable that Yeshua had, it's, we believe Yeshua had met with him already previous to this. And probably because it says he appeared to Peter, it says in another passage, already. So he probably had already appeared to, but... But this is a very important encounter that he's going to have. So maybe he's a little frustrated. Maybe there, and you know, this is, he says, there's nothing happening. And it's very hard to be still, isn't it? I have a hard time. You know, it's hard to just wait. It's hard. The flesh always wants to be doing, doesn't it? Flesh always has to be doing something to keep moving. I always remember uh, the, the great servant, Art Katz. Does anyone know Art Katz? I had a chance to spend time with him uh, years ago when I was a new believer. Arthur Katz is an incredible man of God. And uh, I brought him to a t- Christian college that I was at for one year, and he shook the whole college up, upside down, got everyone upset, uh, which was great. But, but Art Katz... He said there was a time he was working for a specific ministry organization, Jewish organization for Jewish outreach, and he said this organization, when he worked with it, was not willing to stop and seek God's face in prayer for the city. It was New York City. And he said he believed, this was years ago, but he said he believed to that day that they never saw God do what he wanted to do in terms of the harvest in New York City because they would not stop and seek God's face. They just had to keep going with their plan and their, you know, their machinery. Uh, keep doing what they were doing because they couldn't stop and just seek God's face about what, how he wanted to do. And I believe that. I, believe, I, don't, I mean, I don't know of that case, but I believe God, that's true that that happens, right? And this is Peter says, I'm going fishing. <laughs> I'm going back fishing. And they say, we're going too. And we know what happens. What happened? What, how many fish did they catch? All night, they caught nothing, <laughs> it says. They caught, they, were, they went out, and they got into the boat, and that night, they caught nothing. And here's at dawn, at dawn, Yeshua stood on the beach, but the, the disciples did not know that it was Yeshua. Maybe it was foggy, maybe we could surmise all sorts of possibilities. How did he look in his resurrection appearance at this point, but in his new body, but... Uh, 
but he knew, we know he still had the scars, by the way, but um, he, they didn't recognize him from that distance, and he stood, stands on the beach, and they didn't know it was Yeshua, so Yeshua said to them, boys, you don't happen to have any fish, do you? <laughs> And that is funny, because he really, it's, it's, it's in the Greek, it's boys, not any fish, have you? It's like saying, hey kids, how's it working out for you? <laughs> how's, all, how's it all working out for you? <laughs> Does he have any fish? And they answered, no. <laughs> I'm sure it was not a happy no. No, all night long. Lionel Richie's song, right? Uh, all night long, no fish. Uh, and so then he says, but then comes his voice, throw the net off the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they threw the net and they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. And therefore the disciple whom Yeshua loved, which was who? John. And again, maybe is John proud about saying that? I'm the disciple whom he, I'm the one he really I don't know. He's, he's writing the book, but he's, no, it's, it's, he had a good, good self-image about how God loved him. But he says, the, he says to Peter, John says to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he didn't just say, wow, that's great. No, he ties up his outer garment around himself for he was stripped down for his work. He throws himself into the sea and He's, he swims to the sea, to the shore. But the other disciple came from the boat about 200 cubits offshore, dragging the net full of fish. So different types of personalities. God makes us all differently. One is responsive, you know, outburst, boom. The other is very responsible. And we need both, right? All different types. Uh, Peter, impulsive. Uh, and John is very uh, thorough, you know, and and and. They're both different. But I think here, this is really a recall of Peter as when he's originally called, when the Yeshua has called him in Luke chapter 5. It's a reset because in Luke 5, Yeshua had, had said to throw out the net, throw the net into the deep. And maybe they remembered the voice that said that, that his voice, and it, and it, and it says, call, go back. And so this is a recall, forgetting what is behind and reaching toward to what it, forth to what is ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call, Philippians 3.13, right? It's the Lord. It reminds them of that incident, that previous incident three years before in Luke 5. This hu- and this huge catch with the voice that it said, let down your nets, for it must have ignited Peter, and, and so they, they go. And what do they come to but a charcoal fire, which is also, interestingly enough, in verse 9, a, a member very similar reminds us of Peter sitting at a fire when he had denied knowing Yeshua. And that's very important. In Luke 22, verses 55 and 56, I looked it up to be sure, and yes, he was at a fire, and the maid, servant maid, he was there. It was a fire as well, and Peter's sitting there. And so look at, see at verse 9. They go, the disciple came from the boat, verse 9. They got out into the land, and they saw a charcoal fire with fish placed on it so, and bread. So Yeshua is already preparing breakfast. He ends up using their fish plus, says, bring some of your fish. But he already had some fish prepared. He's serving them 
making breakfast. Must have been delicious. And says, bring some of the fish that you caught. And so this, again, is bringing back and recovering and redeeming his failure, what he'd done, where he denied Yeshua. Let's look at that. And what he's doing. So they, verse 11 says, he went aboard, hauled the net to the shore. There were 153, many of them big fish. Now, uh, he says, come, have breakfast. And none of them dared ask him, who are you, knowing it was the Lord. Now, I, I, the 153 fish, I'd tell you the meaning of this number, but I'd have to kill you. All right? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a joke. That's a joke. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm sure, numerically, I'm sure it's significant, the number. I did a little research. I'm sure there's others here that have done more research, but I really don't know what it is. Uh, maybe en eglaim in uh, Ezekiel 30, uh, 47, there's something, uh, and I, you know, which means spring of the calves. There might be some significance there numerically. One writer counts Ani Elohim. I got all excited and said, oh, that makes sense. He's saying, I am God. But he puts the uh, Vav Cholim in the Elohim. And I was searching. I couldn't find where God is, you know, really Elohim is really spelled with the Cholim. It doesn't really use the Vav, the Vav, you know, which you need to make the 153. Anyway, so, uh, so I, I'm sorry. I'm not convinced on that one that it was clearly I am God. So, but I have just written a 153-page a book on it on this subject, and I've written it on goatskin parchment, and it already did hit the New York Times bestseller list, so I'll be signing copies after service for anyone who would like, okay. <laughs> 153 fish. All right, that's all I'll say about that. Now, I'm sure it's significant, but uh, that's all the time I will spend on that, believe me. All right, now let's look at, so this is an amazing restoration, and what does Yeshua say to Paul? To, to Peter, to Simon Peter. Look at what he says to him. He says, he feeds them breakfast. He, they bring the fish. This is the third time, it says, after, look at verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Yeshua says to, to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I thought, you know, that people don't know. The commentators say, was he saying more than these fish? or more than these disciples. And I was first thinking, well, it's probably more than the fish, more, more than, it's probably more than the fish, because he wouldn't want to, be, to compare himself with the disciples. But then, as I looked at it a little more, I thought, well, you know what? I think it is the disciples. Because Peter did compare himself with the disciples. Peter did say, though everybody else denies you, though they all fall, they're all going to fall, not me. I won't fall. I won't deny you. I, I mean, I won't fall because of you, but everyone else will, and I won't. He said that, and Yeshua said, let's see, it's in, uh, it says, though everyone else falls away because of you, not me. I won't. I never will. Matthew 26, 33. He says, I'll lay down my life for you. John 13, 37. And then he's going to compare himself again in, right here down in verse 21. Remember, he says, what about this guy? And points to John. He's following Yeshua. What about him? And Yeshua says, get your eyes off of him. Stop being concerned about what he's doing. You be concerned about what you're doing. You follow me. Don't worry about him, about John. You, are, you, you keep your eyes on me. So Yeshua had told him 
when, you, when Peter says, I'll never, I'll never fall away because of you, Yeshua said, you, Peter, you will deny me three times. You will deny me three times. told him that either at least one time, maybe he told him a couple times. It's in several of the Gospels. And so now Yeshua confronts him. He says, do you think, Peter, do you think you're really better than the others? That you excel in your total devotion for me? There's one word for love in Hebrew. It's really only ahava, and it means to complete devotion. So let's just focus on that for a moment. Peter, are you really totally devoted to me? Are you, do you, have, are you completely devoted to me? You really think, but you really think you love me more than the others? He said, you really think you do? He says, Peter says, I love you, Lord. Yeshua says, okay, then let's go. Continue where we left off. Let's go. Reset. Restart. Reset. Restart. Let's go. Look at, he, he says to him several times, he said, the second time, Peter, do you love me? I'm sorry, he says, feed my lambs. He says, you know I love you. He says, feed my lambs. And he said a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Yes, yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. You know I love you. He said, take care of my sheep. Boy, is that, do you think congregation planting is important? I think it's real important. I Evangelism is, is important. Congre- planting congregations is important. Take care of the sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, John, do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him for a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Yeshua said to him, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. I love that. I love that. I think Peter is just, he's just exhausted. He's at the end of his, his self-strength. Basically, Lord, you win. You win. Lord, I'm tired of doing it in my own strength. I'm tired. I'm dependent on you. I'm tired of doing it in my own strength, Lord. I'm at the end of myself. Peter, you denied me three times. I'm going to let you affirm your devotion to me three times. This is a complete redemption. This is a complete reset, a complete restart. The fire, everything. The, the fish, catching the fish. This is a complete redo. We're starting all over again. It's okay. Yeshua never asks Peter to confess his sin of denial. Hello? Which verse do you see here records it? Why don't we read where Yeshua says to Peter, why did you deny me, Peter? I told you you would. Are you ready to tell me you're sorry now? (sighs) You would think that would be there. Do you think it hurt Yeshua when Peter said, I don't know the man. I can imagine it did. I don't know the man. 
after three years of intensive investment, of love, of doing everything he did, and Peter, in that time, says, I don't even know him. But Yeshua gave that all to God, right? And the issue wasn't himself and being hurt. The issue was going on the business of what needs to be done, taking the word of God to all the world, taking the, his, the issue is he's resurrected now. Sin is paid for. It's gone. It's over. Never mind. Let's go. Let's go. Feed my sheep. Follow me. This is, isn't that amazing? That's the issue. Hey, folks, it's the same thing with us. It's not what happened. It's forgetting what, th- what is behind and reaching forth to things that are before. It's not what, where I failed. It's the blood of Yeshua has forgiven, has washed away all our sins. And Yeshua, it's let's get on, back, on, back on track. Let's go on now with the Lord. He's only interested in Peter. Yeshua's only interested in his resetting, not what happened back there. Reboot, reorient, back to the plan, back to the call. The call, let's go. You're going to feed my sheep, now follow me. Never mind about what others do. You follow me. The word follow, uh, I don't know if I can read the Greek word, akoluthe, it means to join in the same way in the Greek. To join in the same way. Would be, in the Hebrew, would probably be halach, to, which means to progress step by step toward the goal. We got halacha, of course, from that. To progress step by step toward the goal. We join him, Yeshua, in the same way. This is what he says here. When you were young, younger, verse 18, you dressed, used to dress yourself and walk where you wanted, but when you are old, you'll stretch your hands and someone else will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. And we know that this is indicating his future death, his future martyrdom, and what, how Peter would glorify God, and we won't get into that. But he would die as, as a martyr, we know. And after this, Yeshua says to him, follow me. Verse 19, follow me. And Peter turns around, as we know, says to the disciple, what about him? He says, seeing him, he says, if I want, you to, if I, what I, if I want him to remain, what's that to you? You follow me. So follow me twice. And then a rumor says is that, that John wouldn't die. Well, we see how easily people misinterpret things. So they misinterpreted Yeshua's words, and that still happens all the time. How beautiful. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Romans eleven twenty nine. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not because of our deeds, but because of his own purpose and grace, given us in Messiah Yeshua before time began. 2 Timothy 1, 9. And I close with this. I wonder if perhaps Peter was thinking of his own experience here with Yeshua when he encouraged his readers and us with these words which he later wrote in 1 Peter 5, verses 10 and 11. Listen to these words. Jot it down the reference and look it up later and meditate on it. After you have suffered a little while, and oh boy, that conversation was quite a suffering I'm sure, a grueling conversation. Do you love me? Ooh, do you love me more than these? After you have suffered a little while, 
the God of all grace, who has called you into his eternal glory in Messiah, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. Amen is right. And then he says, all power to him forever. And we say, amen, like Peter did there. Amen. Recalled, reset, restart. Father, we thank you for this beautiful story that you leave us after your resurrection, before your ascension of your visit with Peter, this encounter, and your care for him and its lesson to us. Thank you, Lord, for what it, the many lessons it has to teach us, Lord. Help us to absorb it. Help us to, ex- to experience it. Lord, and take from it in Yeshua's name. If you've never received Yeshua, you're watching today, you're here today, or you're, and you're, you're with us here in person, or you're watching, and you've never received Yeshua, wow, what an opportunity right now for you to encounter him. He wants to restore you. He wants to give you a fresh, brand-new start. He wants to reset you, give you a brand-new beginning. If you never trusted him, say, Lord, I need you. Thank you for dying for my sins. I want it. I'm giving my life to you today. Come into my life, Lord. Come into my life, Yeshua, Jesus. Give me a new start. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for not for loving me no matter what my no matter how I've blown it, no matter where I've where I've messed up. Thank you. I may have denied you three times. I may have whatever I did. I think I thought I was better than everyone else and I'm not. Thank you, Lord. Let the wind go out of my sails. I'm your strength. I'm depending, putting my trust in you. Thank you, Lord. And if you're trusting Yeshua, Jesus, today, please let us know. There'll be some folks up here, some great people to pray with you, someone to pray with you after service. If you're here, if you're online, please write us. We'll contact you back and help you with material and and a connection and any way to help you get started in your new new walk. So praise you, Lord. Thank you. We bless your name, Father. Bless the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless the Lord. Papa Dom, would you mind closing in the benediction? Would you be able to do that? Let me just let me close with a couple of of uh, just uh, prophetic prayers that are in scripture. May God, out of his glorious riches, strengthen us with power through his spirit in our inner being so that the Messiah can dwell in our hearts through faith. And we, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God so that we can know that love that surpasses knowledge so that we can be filled to all the measure of the fullness of Yeshua himself and to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine according to his power at work in us who believe. To him be glory in the community of believers and in Messiah Yeshua through all generations forever and ever. And may the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in him so that we overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And you've heard me say probably if you overflow with hope, you've got so much hope inside of you, it sloshes off everybody around you. So, you want to stand? Or we just Remember that God puts his name on you. This is the only personally worded benediction in Scripture. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you, be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom. Yeshua, HaMashiach, Sar Shalom. In the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. And the congregation said, Amen. Amen.